episode of Talk Local. Uh, today I am joined in studio with a special guest. Um, his name is John Zaboyan. John, how are you? I'm great, thank you. And uh, you're here to talk about um, the Distracted Driving Awareness Month, but you've also, it's a cause that you've really kind of driven home, and that month is, of course, April. Uh, but it's, uh, it's you're, you're really trying to drive home the point. It's something that sounds like you've been working on for about 18 months. Um, you said you've pretty much been a lifelong uh, mission for you. But in particular, you are uh, the, the head of the um, Americans Against All Distracted Driving Organization. And you do a lot of, you've partnered with the Lake County Sheriff's Department to kind of bring awareness more so than Correct. ever. Correct. Um, and so you are a region person, right? And uh, you do live here. But I think just to kind of get the audience to get to know you a little bit, mm-hmm. um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for calling me an special because nobody has ever called me that before. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, I came to the United States a number of years ago uh, as a student. Uh, My heritage is Armenian. I grew up uh, in Syria as well as in Lebanon. My parents came from Turkey. And again, as I said, my heritage is Armenian. And uh, Armenia was behind the Iron Curtain at that time. So when I was about 14, 15 years old in in Lebanon, I always thought that there was a little bit more than just that little country. And of course, uh, it's not being my own country. I always wanted to go somewhere and then see what else else is going on. I found a school in uh, Miami, Florida. It was called... uh, Embry-Riddle Aviation Institute. I feel and that's, that, uh, that's a pretty heavy area for, for like aviation study, right? That is correct, right. especially the, years that I, the year that I came to the United States. So anyway, I filled up the application, and as a student, I was uh, accepted, and I came to uh, Miami. I landed there, and uh, my English was not that, well, that good. It's still, not, it's still not good. I think it's great. I think you're Thank you. It. Thank you. So anyway, uh, unfortunately, after uh, the fourth month of my training, I was alone in my plane, in a training plane, a training airplane, and there were two guys uh, in another plane. We collided in the air. Really? That's right. So you were a pilot of a plane that collided in the air with another plane. I was a student pilot. But what happens is that after a few hours, of course, the instructor goes with you in the early uh, hours, and then eventually he trusts the fact that you know how to get up there and then eventually come down. And I'll tell you one thing. It is the only experience you will ever have in your life knowing the fact that my life is in my hands. When was this? What, what time period are this we talking was, about? <laughs> okay, guys, this was in <laughs> 1959. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, so, let, me, let me slow you down mm-hmm. for a second here um, because you talked about something that we talked about earlier that was really fascinating, and that was the, uh, the level of awareness of something that is important when it really only happens to you, mm-hmm. right? And so you brought up a couple examples that were in the green room that was really good. And I want to kind of make sure that we don't – it's an important fact here. Because um, otherwise I don't know if we'll be able to get it in. But So you talked about um, already the the, the crash you had inside in in the air, which is crazy to think that you survived (laughs) that, which is amazing um, in um, in itself. But – um, so now you talked about also the, the current shootings that are going on with the high school kids. And it's not exactly a topic that they were really into until that happened there. Um, and you're talking about now one that is about um, your, your post-World War II world mm. in Europe, right? 
um, and it's a situation to where you didn't eat great, but now you're kind of being told another one, so now your perspective and your awareness is already at a certain level where you're kind of making decisions whether or not you want to be involved. Yeah, actually my perspective is the fact that when I was in the hospital, I did not have an opportunity to brush my teeth, wash my face, uh, do anything that, uh, that most of the people can do because uh, after the crash, my body was more or less not mine anymore. Other people did have did have to help me. And all the years that I've been driving, for the last 55 years, I have never had even one ticket. into a spe- And I speed Jeez, as well as you the- do. If yeah. it's 70, I go 79. If it's 60, I go 68. If it's 55, I go 62. Anyway, but apparently something happens to us and we do not even remember or know about it. But every time I hear a, a siren, all of a sudden it reminds me of what happened to me about 55 years ago. So my driving has been driven my safe driving probably has been driven by not wanting to go back to the hospital and having somebody else take care of me. Sure, yeah, so, I, mean, I guess losing your losing access to your <clears throat> limbs will do that, right? Exactly. I mean, that's fast. I mean, it's and hands as well, too, yeah. So uh, the other, by the way, this is, I, if we come back to exactly what, uh, what when I started about 18 months ago, uh, I start looking around and, and not that I start looking around 18 months ago, all the times that I've been driving, I was always aware of some people not paying attention when they were driving. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the cell phones came into work, and the word is distracted driving, the word is texting while driving, and so forth. I go, okay, texting while driving. So what I was uh, going to, and I am not intelligent enough to come up with an idea. What happens is that things happen, and eventually they evolve into an idea. So when I did that uh, elliptical uh, uh, exercise, and it turned out to be really cool, we put it on the on the uh, YouTube. Um, then I went into uh, I said, you know, I'm tired of this, so I started doing, doing using the stairmaster. The stairmaster gives you only 139 minutes. So 139 minutes, when I could first I could do only 50, 60, 70. Eventually, I started using. I said to myself, you know what? I'm using only my legs. Uh, that's a waste of time. I, you know, I live my life as hundred percent as possible every single day. So I grabbed a couple of weights. So you're the telling f- me, John, just just so we can kind of get your perspective uh-huh. on things in your headspace. I just, I'm, I'm I'm fascinated. Okay. You're telling me that uh, the stairmaster is not good enough at 139 minutes. Uh-huh. That you need to put that thing on full tilt and then go pick up weights to make it harder. That is correct. Man. I <laughs> what I, I like I like two words uh, I I have lived with two words to be honest in my, in my entire life one one is reality whatever the reality is I do my best in order to make the best of the reality but first I accept it so throughout my entire life whatever happens to me I accept it and then do my best and the other thing is that I confront myself whatever I do. I do not negotiate with myself because if you negotiate, there's always room for giving in. I confront myself. One day we were talking about it and one of the kids said, what is confront? I said, here's, here's an idea. You're in the middle of an uh, uh, African forest and all of a sudden this lion coming towards you and you go, okay, baby, now you look hungry and chances are that you want to eat me, right? So why don't we kind of negotiate. I'll give you my right arm and then you just eat the right arm and then I'll go on without an arm and then you have a little bit of food. The dying is going to go, come on, man. 
I want the whole thing. So what do you do at that time? When you're faced with life and that issue, you confront it. You confront any issue that it has a finality. So therefore, you know, you, you try to fight the lion, probably you're going to lose, but at least you confront the lion. So the same thing, anything that I do in life, I confront myself to be the best and then go and negotiate with the world. So let me let me slow you down. So uh-huh. we're getting you're talking a little bit about the in motion. I think I, I think people want to hear about like why distracted driving for you in particular because we've talked about we're hearing about the of course your background in in a crash for sure it's just crazy and then we're talking about your mentality and then we talked about um, your a little bit of an aha moment for you when it comes to the the stairmaster and then being able to kind of take that over so. Um, inside that, you talked about feeding the hungry, um, especially children in particular. What is just just like that drives you crazy about distracted driving that was making you want to say, you know what, I'm going to dive into this head first? Okay. Basically, is the fact that I want to have the choice and the chance to drive on roads that everybody else drives like me. And I made some notations here, and I will uh, probably I would remember a little bit. Uh, you know, I could, I could. It would be so much easier if I read. But when Americans are born, they're born with some. Uh, they're not. They're they're not born with every rights. So when they become 16 or 18 years old, let's say when you're six, when you're 18, you can get married without your uh, parents' consent. You do not have to go to the doctor, uh, to the government, and the government does not give you permission to get married or not anymore because you are 18. At 18. Uh, you can uh, buy cigarettes maybe or uh, some states maybe you have to be 21 otherwise as you are growing you get rights that they were there and eventually you do not have to do anything at all as a matter of fact you can buy a gun without asking the government as long as you're 21 years old you say I'm a good person and the government says okay go ahead here's a uh, you know you can buy a gun the only thing that we have to go and ask the government to give us permission to do that is driving. That's the only thing. And then it's a contract between the government and us. So the government says to us, okay, I'm going to give you the permission to drive if you do the following. You read the book, you take the test, and then you're going to take a driving test. When you take a driving test and you pass it, then I'm going to give you permission to drive. The only thing that government also, the only thing that government, no, the only thing that government is actually telling you is that if you drive the way you drove the day you took your driver's license, then you've got the right to drive. Simple. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do? Which is not on your phone, which is not drunk, which is not stoned. It's it, literally just like sober, figuring it out, and like knowing that you have Uncle Sam right next to you, practically, the, I guess, the symbolic uh-huh. version of it. Exactly. Making sure you don't screw it up. And then once you get involved a little bit, I was not involved about eight months ago, to be honest, to go into uh, websites in order to see or, the, or uh, on Google and find out what, how many people die, what do they do, what kind of agencies there are, what kind of organizations there are. All of that is there, thousands and thousands of them. As a matter of fact, if you go on YouTube and you type uh, distracted driving accidents, there are thousands of them. Yep. Ellen, there are thousands of them. And you would see beautiful ladies with disfigured faces. But it doesn't matter because we're not in that bubble. We, you know, we're the, not It never happened it. to us, so it why should we happened. care? Exactly. Uh, so I got a surprise for you. I uh, went into uh, the new PETA pit that opened up in Crown Point. Uh-huh. Um, I know that's a little bit of a lighter subject, but um, we went in there today. I went to go order Did a Did they wrap. serve hummus? 
Uh, I'm sure, I think they do actually. I'm sure they do. Oh yeah, no. I know there was an Armenian uh, 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 rap in some capacity. <laughs> I'm not that familiar with the menu. There were 20, like less than 20 minutes, but there was about seven police officers in there. Mm-hmm. I knew what was coming. For, I knew you were coming in, Jay Z. So I said. Uh, I asked one of the guys, this is Officer Burke Holder of the Crown Point Police Department, uh-huh. and I said, hey, I've got a gentleman coming in today that's talking about distracted driving. <clears throat> is there anything you can add to the subject? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, what do you mean? You know, you want a little bit more. And I'm like, well, can you tell someone's been distracted and they're driving? Like, oh, yeah. He's like, I can't tell you how many times that I pull up to somebody and their head is just like <clears throat> completely locked into the mm-hmm. phone. And, he's, and he, he made it a little bit more. I know it's backing up your numbers, but he made it sound like, the majority of accidents are because of texting, and they know that going into it. Okay, I'm going to read this to you Uh-oh. right now. I hate Uh-oh. to, I hate to, I just no. uh, this is from uh, uh, what is it? Reader's Digest a month ago. As a matter of fact, here's the data underneath. Okay, it says a study by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. This administration is the uh, it's a government agency, and their an- annual budget is nine hundred million dollars. It's pretty close to a billion dollar, I think. That's insane. Yeah. So they spend $900 million to tell everybody else that if you read when you're driving, you're going to cause, into a, cause an accident. And let me just read the rest of it. And it says um, National Highway Safety uh, Administration found that. Now, the only way you can find something is when you have done the study and then you find it, right? They're not saying estimate, but they say they found. So they found that distracted driving uh, causes 80% of the crashes. So 80%. Yeah. So help me. Four or five. Uh, yeah. Help me, Ellen. Help me. 40,000 people die a year. 80% of it is caused by people that are not paying attention to while they're driving. Mm-hmm. So that means what? 30, uh, 80% of 40,000, it's like about 32,000, right? Yes. 32,000 people die in the United States doing something against what they promised to do. Otherwise, they To the pro- government when they were 16 getting their license. That's what you're saying. Correct. Okay. Otherwise, it's not 16 or 18. It doesn't matter what age you got your dri- right. driver's license. When you went in, you actually agreed to do this. So when you got into the car, as a matter of fact, I went and uh, saw a couple of kids, uh, that, not that couple of kids, but people that give the, the driving test at the DMV. And I go to one other person and I said, can I ask you a question? Please give me two minutes. And I gave him my card and he felt a little bit more comfortable, of course. And I said, by the way, if I came in and I wanted to get uh, uh, my license, I came in with a uh, uh, pack of cigarettes in my, in my pocket. I had a, a, a coffee in my hand, a hamburger in the other one, and my <laughs> cell phone is sitting, hanging on the <laughs> side. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, he used a couple of words. I said, do you think I can get my driver's license? He said, blah, 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 before, before you get into your car. I won't even let you get into the car. So I said, what happens if uh, I do not show anything at all? I've got the, 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 the cell phone in my pocket and I'm driving. And just before getting into a stop sign, the phone rings. And meantime, I unbuckle my uh, seatbelt and try to get to the phone. And I pass the, the stop sign. He goes, man, you will be barred forever. You know, not that, of course, you will not be, but you will fail. Sure. What the, it's like, I might, I cannot I cannot wrap my two and a half IQ brain around the fact that 32,000 people die a year on American roads because there are 
eight out of 10 people drive while they're distracted. I, I can, and then I hate the word distracted. It's a destructive driving. And of course, when you intentionally distract yourself, you're a murderer in my life. In my point of view, you are not paying attention and you're going to come and actually kill me. So, sure. so when I was coming this way this morning, I go, myself and one other person, every 10 car that was passing me or I passed them or they were around me, I said, one and myself are good drivers and the other eight are people that might kill me. So it comes down to the following. I do not have the chance nor the choice to drive on the roads that other people are driving that are killers. They killed 32,000 people. Now, maybe half of those guys are the ones that created the accident and they died. So all 40, uh, 32,000 are not innocent people. But if you take that into half, then you got 16,000 people. Can you believe 16,000 families that lost their father, mother, sister, oh, brother? You know, and then, of course, we kind of sympathize, empathize with numbers like this. But if we did not go through, I'll tell you one thing. If I had a child right now that was driving, or if somebody actually maliciously hits my wife and kills her, that person will not be alive. It's impossible that you... And then the laws are so lax in America. You know, you can actually kill somebody while you're taxiing and driving, and the most might, you might get about a year. And you, do they consider that like a manslaughter? Like an involuntary no, sometimes, manslaughter? As a matter of fact, uh, I had a piece of paper. I did not want to bring this w with me. I was reading in, in yesterday's paper. A dentist was driving, and he was drunk, and he had no uh, ambulance. The lady in the ambulance died. The two drivers uh, got, uh, got uh, injured. And um, he got injured a little bit as well. But anyway, the lady died. And then already he is, and I did not want to do, uh, go on the Google and check it because now Google is going to go, why is, it this, why is this guy checking what <laughs> felony five is? Felony five? So I do not know. If somebody can call us and tell us what felony five is. Yeah, I have no idea. That guy, so I don't think it can be any more than maybe six months or a year. He shouldn't, he killed one person. You know, I hate when people say, well, she or he lost his life. You know, you don't lose your life. You lose a key, you lose a shoe, you lose some money, you lose a car, you lose a house. But when you die, you're gone. You don't exist anymore, man. So that woman, 42 years old, in the ambulance, she has husband, kids, parents, mother, sister. She has so many other people around her. She's dead and gone. And I know from some, from someone like myself, I'm 35 years old. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a cell phone until I was probably 2002, maybe mm -hmm. 2003 was when it started to become like a, sure. a habit for everybody to have. Um, and it seems like through that time, it kind of gives you some kind of hindsight because through that time period, the thing that's changed the most isn't the technology. Mm -hmm. It's that you have to be on demand for people. Mm -hmm. And it happens with my parents. It mm -hmm. happens with my siblings. It happens mm -hmm. with my guys here. If I don't respond right away or answer something to mm -hmm. them, it becomes somewhat of like a, it's almost not the cultural norm to not be on demand. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Well, So uh, from an epidemic side of things, it, is it... I, while we can talk about the issue in particular, is there ways that we can maybe say, 
Is, is there a way that maybe we can revolt back to maybe having a little more patience with other people to not they don't have to get back to you right away? Back in the day, um, when I in my in, when I was in high school and there was also only the house phone. If you were either a there or you mm-hmm. were not there, mm-hmm. and if you weren't there, people expected a phone call back eventually. Mm-hmm. There's no phone call back at this point. Mm-hmm. It seems like everybody wants you to pick up when you when you, when, when they call. Well, uh, the, the comment that you made a little while ago, of course, uh, I have been faced with the same comment many, many, many times, and everybody talks about the fact that it's cultural. It's I, We can talk about it for half an hour, and I can show it to you with exact uh, uh, with exactness why cultural... You know, uh, when there was a um, uh, constitution in the United States, eventually there are some amendments to the constitution yes am i correct yeah so it's the same thing so by the way did you ever smoke uh no you never smoke and uh, i chewed tobacco okay uh once upon a time when i used to fly in the the 70s and 80s and 90s i used to go to hong kong maybe every three weeks and in the plane i had a couple of dollars in my pocket at the time and i could fly first class there were four seats in the first class and the sp the small 747s people could smoke at that time it was cultural i used to smoke as uh, in the past so it used to kind of annoy me but it was cultural you know people smoke as soon as the the plane took off it was ding and then everybody you know there was a section where the people that sat sat down where you could smoke and then there were sections that people sat where you could not smoke do you know those days yeah it's comical it happens in wet restaurants of course, still or, of or at least some restaurants uh-huh. right? let's talk about that which is perfect today if you get into your into the airplane there is no such thing as you can smoke when it's taxiing when uh, you can smoke when you've uh, sneezed three times and burped twice and wink at the uh, flight attendant when you you can smoke when the plane takes off or it's coming down you cannot smoke period it was cultural in 1950s some other years or in the early 60s doctors used to say well smoke cigarettes it's cool for you and you talk about cultural there's nothing more cultural than that Today, you cannot smoke in, a, uh, in a, uh, an airplane. There's nothing you can do about it. There are no exceptions. So the reason they came up with that law is the fact that I do not have the opportunity, nor the chance, nor the choice to avoid your cigarettes. Because I'm in a place where I do not have a chance or a choice. I am on the road that belongs to you and to me. I don't care about your culture, where you came from, and you know how to multitask, and this and that. Your behavior is going to kill me. Reckless. And I, your intentional behavior is going to kill me. And that's not acceptable. That cannot be cultural. Now, I would like for you to, you know, somebody who smokes and they go to a hospital on the seventh floor and there's a baby's floor, and then you take a cigarette and light it. You'll be lynched. You go, wait a minute, I've got the right to smoke, man, but not here. So today I can go to a bar that there's smoking, and I don't like uh, smoke, so therefore I do not go to that bar. There are bars that uh, they do not allow smoking. So I go to a bar that they do not allow smoking. I have a choice, Alan. I have a chance to avoid your cigarette. 
But when I am on the road that belongs to all Americans, everybody that is driving went through the test, told the government that I will obey to all your rules. So you bring in your culture and all of a sudden, give, I need to give you a little space for you to hurt me. There's no such thing. I get into the car in order to go from one place to the other. My parents, my wife, my sister, my boss, my dog, anybody, I'll give you a very uh, cool story. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll make it very fast. I pull onto the side once in a while, you know, I want to uh, know what's going on. Of course, I'm, you know, there are some people that are looking for me and I'm looking for some people. So therefore, when they call me, I, my phone is in the back. Not that I do not have the, the guts to put it right next to me and not touch it. I throw it to the back, in the back when I get into the car. Anyway, so uh, I go, you know what, I need to see who was calling me. So I eventually get off the road, pull on the side, put my uh, 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 flashers, and then take a look at my phone for a second or two or five or ten minutes, and then get back on the road. You think the world will come to a freaking stop if you're five minutes later, you ask your, you answer your parents, or you answer them immediately by pulling to the side of the road and getting to your destination safely and let other people get to their station destination safely because of five minutes. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. So I do not want to talk about culture because cultures are changed and there are certain things that we cannot do and certain things, well, so when somehow we talk about 32,000 people, how, I cannot understand how, you know, a uh, few people died during the, the winter because of the flu, right? And then it was on the news every single day. And the government went into, uh, into uh, did everything possible in order to come up with an uh, anti-viral uh, uh, or whatever it is. And you know what I'm saying. Yes. And here, the government tells us that 32,000 people or 80% of the people think that culturally they can do it and yet kill other people. I don't care if you kill yourself. Right. You know, culturally, if you want to go on a, as a matter of fact, I don't think you need a uh, the driver's license to uh, to go on this. Uh, what is it? What is it? Uh, SUV, uh, the ones that you uh, four wheel, but they're small and. Uh, um, yeah, SUV. SUVs. Sure. Uh, yeah, you do not have a license for it because you go somewhere and you do it, and if something happens to you, basically you're going to kill yourself. Right. I do not care. I do not care what you do after you stop before you get into your car. But in between, when you get into your car. So, again, coming back to what we created, I wish uh, 18 million people send us their 6 to 8 or 10 second video, uh, selfie, whatever it is, and then we'll put those together. You put it on together and then we'll go to the government and say, okay, do something about the people that are doing intentionally. Let's fix it. Yeah, let's, let's fix, fix it. it. And then so, I, this is what the mm -hmm. most important is right now, to be honest. We have created this, and unfortunately, it's not available anymore because we took it away. What I did actually, as soon as I put the Americans Against Distracted Driving, then I picked up, uh, which I'm going to give you, by the way, I picked up eight uh, companies, and I made the actual decals for them. Each one cost me 
number of hundreds of uh, dollars because you know when you uh, print five or ten or sure. twenty, oh, it yeah. costs money. And then I send it to them, and I will give you every single one of them. They all came back. They're all national uh, companies. What I wanted them to do is actually uh, uh, we put their uh, their uh, um, direct uh, link on our website on, our, on, on that one page. So you go in and you go, okay, I like American, uh, I like uh, uh, No Kids Hungry. You click on their decal and then it opens their page. You send them $5.01. Meantime, they agreed, the No Kids Hungry organization agreed to have the decals available. We will print for them. It costs about 11 cents each actually. And we'll, we'll, they'll have it in their possession. So when you send them $5.01, they have your name, address, and phone number. In turn, they send it to you, their decal, which you put it on your car. So whenever you get into your car, you would remember the fact that you're not supposed to be a distracted driver. Otherwise, we call it a reminder decal. If we do that, did you, did you buy a car lately, like about a year or two years or three years ago? Oh, yeah. yeah okay. I've, bought, I've bought two since in three years. Okay, sure. take a look at the windows. Have you seen those little bitty uh, decals all over the place? They're permanent? Yes. What, what right do they have to put decals on my car? You know why they do it, because it's there to remind you to go MX radio or XM radio or whatever it is and so forth. So I thought, if they can do it, why don't we do it? Except I cannot be the sender of the decals, which it happened when Jerry uh, put it in the, in, the, in the newspaper. So what I try to do is come up with the decal, have you send it to, uh, have, have you send, uh, send your name and address by uh, uh, giving some money to an organization, which is a cool organization. You get a decal, you remember uh, continuously, their name is on your a car and it's win 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 to everybody absolutely that's where we are right now so they can find you uh so the website's definitely uh so just so we're clear it's aaadd.org that is correct and then it used to be saadd.org but you can also uh still that's a still live site you can absolutely. check out absolutely and you have a facebook page that is correct and uh you have a twitter yeah you go all the way at the bottom and just click on it yeah awesome so it'll be at the website yeah and um john is there any final thoughts that you want to kind of leave with that's it Thank you, my friend. Well, thank, thank you, John. You very appreciate much, it. And thank you for calling me special. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can find us at Local 209 across all platforms and Local underscore 209 on Twitter. John, again, thank you so much for coming in um, and talking about a cause that we definitely care about. Um, and uh, the, this will be released on Friday. I think you already heard that. So uh, if you can, uh, definitely go to the websites, check <laughs> it out. Other than that, uh, we'll be uh, talking to you later.